This episode is brought to you by The Athlete's Foot. Welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast covering women's sports news. Bez, what have we got around the grounds this week? Naomi Osaka wins the internet again. (laughs) Sam Kerr wins our hearts also again. And (laughs) the WNBA sells out Toronto for the first time. How good. For the key story, we'll chat to Aussie rugby player Sally Fairman about the team's recent trip to the Deaf Rugby World Cup in Argentina. My name is Chloe Dalton. I'm joined every week on the show by my co-host Bez and I'm coming to you live from Bali. Well, we're not live, but I'm in Bali. Coming to you live sounds so much better. Just roll with it. It does sound way better, doesn't it? Infinitely better. Coming to you live from Bali. I've got this beautiful um, view from the clifftop. Talk to us about Bali. We are staying in Uluwatu on the cliff top. We've done some morning yoga. I'm feeling very zen. I'm going to go for a swim after this, go have some nazi goring. I'm having a great time. Winning. I'm at home in my, la- in my dining room. <laughs> this is our best work yet. Quick shout out to all the mums, Bez, for Mother's Day. The mums. The mums that are really, you know, you can't list what mums do because they do everything. It'd be a really, really long list. And a big shout out to all those mums that play and coach and manage and run the canteen and do all of those awesome things that mums just do. Mums are the best. Mums are the best. Let's take a look around the grounds. In football, Sam Kerr. That That's it. That is the story. On Sunday night in front of a record 77,390 fans at Wembley, the Australian skipper delivered the only goal of the match when she buried a pinpoint pass from the impressive Peniel Harder in the 68th minute. And just to add some sprinkles, she gave us the backflip celebration and sent the huge crowd absolutely nuts. How good is the backflip photo? I couldn't. I just I wanted to – I know I peppered you with a lot of messages this morning at probably about 4 a.m. Bali time. Not, <laughs> I'm not sorry at all for that, actually, but it just – just one awesome video and one awesome photo after another. So good. Imagine being that photographer. You just would be like stoked that you're in perfect position. It's so good. The match finished 1-0 and Chelsea got to lift a third successive FA Cup in front of their fans and a shattered Manchester United team. Earlier in the week, Kerr became the first woman ever to be named back-to-back footballer of the year at the Football Writers Association Player of the Year Awards and our star striker polled twice as many votes as the Women's Super League top scorer, Rachel Daly of Aston Villa. Kerr was also named player of the match in the final. And she said after receiving the award, I think it's a sign of a great team. We didn't have our best game, but we pushed through. Everyone stuck at it and we got the win. She said, Peniel Harder did amazing. The team did amazing. I'd be wrong to say it was all me. I'm just lucky to be the number nine in this great team. A lot of people have been asking for the backflip celebration I text my friend and said, backflip incoming today. <laughs> so good. Can I ask, Chloe, when am I going to receive the backflip incoming text from you? I would get severely injured if I attempted that after kicking a goal in footy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess we'll let it go. The goal on Sunday was Kerr's 10th goal in seven domestic cup finals, her sixth in consecutive games and fifth in four appearances at Wembley, where she has managed to lift a trophy each time she has played. So I'm thinking maybe we move the World Cup final to Wembley. We need to do a social post about that. That is some impressive stats. Doesn't, doesn't seem to not win there. Perhaps I thought we'd just leave the summary um, of Kerr's just 
awesomeness to Chelsea coach Emma Hayes, who said after the final, I've never coached a player like Sam Kerr, a player that has such conviction, confidence and courage with the way she attacks everything. But what I love about Sam is that she's willing to take responsibility at the top of the pitch. She can cope with the pressure and expectation and is the sweetest human being. So attention now for Chelsea and Kerr shifts to the final three matches of the WSL. They sit one point behind Manchester United who are on top but have played one more match. It'll be a huge couple of weeks. So Chelsea have matches against West Ham and Arsenal during the week and then they need, they'll they have their final match against Reading on the 27th of May up the Chels. I must admit after watching this morning and I'm a Chelsea fan, there's a part of me that says, well, Sam, do you really need to play those next three matches? Can we just wrap her up? I don't know. Like, I just feel like let's just put her on ice. Wrap her up in a bit of cotton wool and let her have a rest pre-July. Absolutely. In some more Tilly's winning cups news, Ellie Carpenter's Olympic Lyonnais took home their 10th Coupe de France Championship with a 2-1 win over rivals at PSG in the final. Just keep lifting trophies, Tillies. How good. In tennis. Is Naomi Osaka our favourite person on the internet? Question mark. Probably, yes. Full stop. (laughs) After the four-time Grand Slam singles champion announced her pregnancy on social media in January, she's been met with questions about her return to tennis. Late last week, Osaka very matter-of-factly let those concerned know that she would be just fine when she tweeted, BTW, to the people that are suddenly concerned about my career, there are plenty of male athletes with kids that are significantly less accomplished. You might want to worry about them instead. Thanks for the concern. Might want to redirect it to someone that needs it, though. Not trying to make this a male and female thing, but let's be for real. It's so good. She's just like, she's, we know she's so softly spoken in a lot of her post-match press conferences and when she when she fronts the media, but I kind of like her bluntness and that she can be pretty savage in how she gets her point across. Yeah, and and she does it in a way that's just so authentic. And we I, I say I say authentic a lot. I know that, but it's just refreshing and it's important to be that way. And she's no mucking around, sharing her opinion, and doesn't really care what anyone thinks. Love that. So good. She told today in an article published last week that she's excited for her child to watch her play tennis one day. She said, I'm most excited about being able to have a kid in the stands watching me play tennis and then being able to say, hey, that's my mum on the court. It really does feel like a dream to think of my own child in the stands watching me, and I'm so excited that I've got that coming in the not-so-distant future. Osaka says she plans to play in the 2024 Australian Open and that the time away from the court has really given me a new love and appreciation for the game I've dedicated my life to. In netball, the New South Wales Swifts manage what many haven't recently, a win over the West Coast Fever in Perth. Romelda Aiken-George drained a buzzer-beating match winner to hand the New South Wales Swifts a heart-stopping 65-64 to victory on Saturday after the Fever led by three points inside the last 90 seconds. Swift shooter Helen Housby buried her 10th two-pointer to reduce the margin to just one and then Maddie Turner took a huge intercept to feed Aiken George, who tied the scores with only seconds left. The Swifts had the final possession, and Aiken George scored from close range in the last second after a pinpoint long pass from co-captain Maddie Proud. It was a Swiss fifth victory and took them to second on the ladder. Housby said after the match, we'd obviously like to win by a few more. 
We've proven that the fourth quarter is our best quarter and I'm really proud of the girls. This is one of the toughest places to play. We're going to take a lot of confidence from that and it's nice to be moving up the ladder. In the battle of the fantasy birds, that's what we decided there would be. My Kirsty and I were on the couch, fantasy birds. It's good. It's accurate. The Thunderbirds and the Firebirds, for those playing along at home. Uh, it was a brutal one with both teams suffering injuries during the game. The Sunshine Coast Firebirds, Firebirds looked like upsetting the ladder-leading Adelaide Thunderbirds, but Adelaide showed why they are currently at the top of the table with a dominant 24-9 fourth quarter extinguishing the Firebirds. The final score was 63-46, and the Thunderbirds will be looking for their sixth win on the trot when they face the Vixens on Saturday in Melbourne. In basketball. The WNBA needs to expand. There are too many good players already being cut from teams at this stage of the preseason, and one city that has well and truly put their hand up to be awarded a license is Toronto. On the weekend, an exhibition game between the Minnesota Lynx and Chicago Sky was was played in front of a sold-out Scotiabank Arena crowd. Tickets for the 19,800-seat arena sold out the day they were made available in March and the result was almost secondary to the event. For the record, Sky beat the Lynx 82-74. to Minnesota Lynx head coach and general manager Cheryl Reeve said, I think we're going to look back on this and say this was really meaningful, and hopefully then Toronto comes in at some point, and hopefully it's a model for other cities that want to do the same thing. WNBA Commissioner Kathy Engelbert said Toronto is on a short list of 10 cities the league is looking, for, looking at for expansion, and that the time to add teams is getting closer. It needs to happen. Currently, there's a maximum of 144. Oh, I think there's housekeeping knocking on my door, but I'll just persevere and see how we go. It needs to happen. Currently, there's a maximum of 144 roster spots available across 12 teams. And when you look at the recent NCAA March Madness tournament, you know that those spots are going to be at a premium. Bridget Carlton from the Lynx said after the match, there's a whole lot more talent out there that deserves to play in the best league in the world expand and invest WNBA and partners. I think, Bez, I know you're a big follower of the WNBA. This is a big discussion, this one, because there's, there's so much talent and we've seen a lot of Aussie talent go over there from the WNBL and have had their time there cut quite short. Yeah, I would, I've been keeping a pretty keen eye on, on some of those rosters. Do we Hang need on, clean we house, need a pause. Friend? Hang on. <laughs> Sorry. Bears back to your answer. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I keep a pretty close eye, obviously, on the, those squad lists at the moment, and especially the ones with the Aussies in them. Just hoping that you don't see, you know, Kayla George's name in the cut list because they, they, when the season starts, they're only allowed twelve players. I just the the lists are too small, and there's not enough teams. Like it's it's pretty basic. Absolutely right. In some more tennis. This is a, quite astounding, I think, is probably the, the right um, descriptor for it in 2023. The Madrid Open is a tennis tournament that stands just outside the four Grand Slams when it comes to prestige. It's a pretty big tournament. Unfortunately, the recent edition of the tournament was anything but prestigious when it comes to equality. The controversy started when the ball kids attire was questioned on centre court. The ball kids on centre court were all female and all kind of of the teenage age, I would say. Um, And they all wore short skirts and cropped black tank tops. In direct contrast, the outer courts featured regular ball kids, both male and female, wearing shorts and polos. 
So following some backlash, the skirts were swapped for long shorts in last Sunday's final, but the crop tops did remain. Pilar Calvo, the spokesperson for the Association for Women in Professional Sports, told Spanish outlet Publico, it's a feminised way of treating girls versus guys who don't dress like that. In the end, it is a form of sexist violence that is so widespread because people don't even notice it. Well, this time it was certainly noticed and sadly it wasn't the only thing the organisers got wrong. The women's doubles final between Beatrice Haddad Maya and, sorry, Haddad Maya played with Victoria Azarenka and Jessica Puglia played with Coco Goff. Ended in some pretty bizarre scenes when both winners and runners-up were prevented from giving acceptance speeches. Again, here we go with some amazing female athletes using their own profile to speak out and call things out. I love it. Goff tweeted, wasn't given the chance to speak after the final today. Nazarenka added that it was hard to explain to Leo that mummy isn't able to say hello to him at the trophy ceremony. Oh, sad. I know, so sad. Pugler told the BBC, I don't know what century everyone was living in when they made that decision or how they had a conversation and decided, wow, this is a great decision and there's going to be no backlash against this. I've never heard in my life we wouldn't be able to speak. It was really disappointing. In a lower level final, you would speak. It spoke for itself. We were upset when it happened and told during the trophy ceremony we weren't able to speak. It kind of proved a point. So I think she's talking about the overall kind of treatment of the women's game in Madrid. Gerard Sobanian, CEO and tournament tournament organiser of the Madrid Open, said in a statement, we sincerely apologise to all the players and fans who expect more of the Madrid Open tournament. Not giving our women's doubles finalists the chance to address their fans at the end of the match was unacceptable and we have apologised directly to Victoria, Beatriz, Coco and Jessica. Azarenka, I love this, she had another crack at organisers when she shared a tweet of a side-by-side comparison of birthday cakes that Carlos Alcaraz and Arena Sabalenka received. The two singles titles winners share a birthday on, the May, on May 5th and Azarenka's retweet of the photos, which showed Alcaraz's cake multi-tiered, probably four times the size of Azarenka's cake. Azarenka retweeted the photos and accompanied, and that tweet was accompanied by the words, couldn't be more accurate on the treatment. Wow. Saying it how it is. I need to go and find that photo so we can reshare it on socials for people to get a visual, I reckon. This episode is brought to you by The Athlete's Foot proudly supporting women in sport since 1976. Start every game on the right foot with the right fit. Get fitted in store today or online at theathletesfoot.com for netball, football, running and recovery. Now that's fit. In more football news, we're going a bit positive with this one. I'm stoked. Um, Optus Sport has announced its hosting team for its live coverage of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023 and all three are females heavily embedded in women's football. Former Matilda Amy Duggan will be joined by experienced football match hosts Neve Owens and Kelly Summers to front the coverage alongside a panel of football experts who are yet to be announced. Neve Owens led SBS coverage of the men's FIFA World Cup late last year and is reflecting on her journey last week after the announcement. She said, it was World Cups that really sparked my passion for football getting up at stupid o'clock with my dad and my brothers to watch through the night. They're the kind of unforgettable moments that bring friends and family together that people just don't forget. This will be the biggest Women's World Cup in history. The US women's national team will look to make history with a three-peat, but the chasing pack is getting bigger and better and tactically more astute. 
So it's going to be such a great tournament. That's really well said. I love that. Amy Duggan was capped 27 times as a Matilda and is excited to see who will step up during the tournament, saying we are going to have the best talent from across across the globe on the world stage, barring a few big name injuries who won't be able to join us. But I don't see that necessarily as a detractor. In fact, it just leaves a space for the next generation of talent to come through. They're the ones I'm looking forward to, the unknown names that will really stand up on the world stage and become household names. Just great quotes all around, really. It's so exciting. I um, finished the Matildas six-part doco over the weekend. So exciting. I could not be more excited for this tournament. Oh, yes. I see you've added that to what to watch. I need to watch it. It's so good. So good. Um, in some rugby union, the Aussie Sevens team wrapped up their season with a bronze medal in Toulouse, France over the weekend. The result meant the Aussies finished second overall to 2023 champions New Zealand, who also won gold in Toulouse. The Aussies went down to the US in their semifinal, but picked themselves up to secure the bronze in a 33-7 win over the French. Madison Levi finished the tournament as top try scorer with 10 and extended her series record season haul to an astounding 57 tries. Impressive. That's a lot of tries in seven tournaments. Those 57 meat pies set a new record for tries in a season, which Levi claimed from the previous holder, Portia Woodman Wycliffe. Levi and Charlotte Caslick were both named in the World Series Dream Team that was announced at the end of season awards. So the Sevens crew now, I think they have a bit of a break before a huge 12 months coming up, which includes the 2024 Paris Olympics, which they have qualified for. Amazing. In NFL, some cool news to come out of the Buffalo Bills. Last week, they announced that Marissa Figueroa has been promoted to the position of full-time assistant athletic trainer. I've said it before, I'll say it again. US titles of things are so, they just have so many words in them, don't they? Yeah. Is it full-time assistant athletic trainer? Is she a physio or an S&C? It's a good question because I, I thought they call physios athletic trainers or are they physical therapists? We need to double check that. Anyway, in the process, she became the first woman to become a full-time trainer in the organization's history. Bill's GM, Brandon Bean, that as if, as if the Buffalo Bill's GM is not called Brandon Bean, that's four Bs in all those names, <laughs> said, Marissa is not afraid of the moment. She blends in well with our young players and with our veterans on the team. She was part of the Bills athletic training staff and medical personnel responsible for the life-saving emergency response and continued care of safety, Damar Hamlin. And she joins the over 100 certified athletic trainers employed by the league's 32 teams. Of that number, only 21 are women. It would only be better if Bills, the Buffalo Bills, Brandon Bean was the BM and not the GM. I don't (laughs) think that works. The Ben rule manager. The Ben Rule Manager. Okay, back to the seriousness. So good. Let's take a look at the key story. You may have seen a video on our Instagram lately of the Aussie Rugby Sevens team wishing good luck to the Aussie Deaf Rugby team using sign language. Last week, I caught up with Sally Fairman, who represented Australia at the Deaf Rugby World Cup in Argentina. They brought home the bronze medal. Sally, thanks so much for coming on and having a chat. To kick us off, can you tell us a little bit about how you first started playing rugby? Um, I started playing rugby when I was at school, so I went to Oak Hill and um, just joined the women's 
program there. It wasn't very big or anything, just a bit of fun, rugby sevens on Monday afternoon. And then that led into me playing club rugby at um, Eastwood. And I've just been playing there in the Eastwood women's sevens aside. And now it's progressing to tens aside. And hopefully next year we can go 15s aside. But yeah, so just been playing with the local clubs and things like that. Yeah. How did your involvement with the Australian Deaf Rugby team start? Uh, so that started my rugby coach from Eastwood. He contacted me, like, he tagged me in something on Facebook, the Deaf Trials, like, literally three days before the trial, and he said, you should get down to this. It was just 20 minutes from my place in Sydney. And I was like, oh, sweet, I don't have anything on. I'll go and give it a crack. A bit nervous, but just went down and had a crack at it. But, um, yeah, there was people from all over Australia that came. Yeah, so I was pretty lucky to... Um, just head down there. But, yeah, so I just got involved that way and everyone was so welcoming, just loved having new people around and, yeah, it's such an awesome, like, culture, I guess, that they've got going. Yeah. That's really cool. And from what I understand, all of the laws are the same, but are there any, is there anything put in place that makes it more inclusive and more accessible? Yeah, so um, each team has, like, an interpreter. So myself, I'm just about 60 decibels deaf. Um, so that's why I can hear with their headphones in, push them in and put the volume all the way up. But um, uh, within the team, there was a whole range of um, deafness. So people who are profoundly deaf and neat could only sign to be able to communicate. People who are a bit less than profound but still relied heavily on um, interpreting in sign language. So um, for that inclusiveness, we had, yeah, um, an interpreter come with us to help out and she was amazing what she did, yeah. But it was awesome, um, the opening ceremony. So because it was in Argentina, the opening ceremony, they were signing, but it was Argentinian sign language. So... There was someone, oh, it was Spanish sign language. Um, and our manager, he knows Spanish. So he was trans, and he also knows sign language. So he was um, translating from Spanish sign language to English. And then all the countries that used English were listening to Josh, and then they would sign back to their countries in their sign language. Language, so like the British Sign Language, the Australian Sign Language, but because we all use the English language, so they everyone was sort of relying on Josh. What do you think sport as a whole can do to make it more inclusive for the deaf community and and people that might have other disabilities? Yeah, um, it was sport just has that power to bring so many people together, like just anywhere, and um, that's just the one, yeah, one thing that I picked up from from it like the amount of people that I met from just different countries and stuff within the week that we were there um like we all stayed in our army barracks between the um during the tournament so we got to know the other countries well and stuff and especially the English team we became really like well good friends with and whatnot and got along really well with them and then we had to play rugby against them like three days later after forming this bond but it was just such a good game of rugby because everyone 
like there was no hate or anything. Everyone just played rugby and then afterwards everyone came together, the English women and Australian women, we all formed a circle and then the, all the men, the English men and Australian men came and we formed a circle and everyone's huddling and just seeing everyone came together was just, it was pretty special seeing how that was just from a game of rugby. Yeah, it's really special. And what uh, what will be happening in the future for the Aussie Deaf rugby teams? Um, so they'll be looking at um, test matches. I'm not too sure when they'll go ahead, um, maybe even next year. But um, every four years is Deaf Olympics and then every – like it's two years alternating between Deaf Olympics and World Deaf Games, World Deaf Rugby. So um, I think the Deaf Olympics are in 2025 in Japan. So that will be – what's up next um, and potentially test matches each year in between within different um, countries. But, um, yeah, so this tour, that just happened because of COVID, which is the ground starting to get it all up and running again and, yeah, hopefully moving forward, test matches and stuff go ahead and, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and having a chat and best of luck with your rugby. Thank you. Thank you, Chloe. <laughs> Let's take a look at what to watch. The Wallaroos play their first test match of the season this Saturday night at Allianz Stadium in Sydney against Fijiana. The match kicks off at 5pm and if you can't get to the game, you're naughty. But no, if you can't get to the game, make sure you tune in on Stan Sport. It'll be live. It's also just been announced that it will be Shannon Parry's last game of rugby. She will be retiring after Saturday. Um, big shout out to Shano. She's contributed so much to the game in both formats, sevens and fifteens. Won a gold medal with Chloe, and um, yeah, be hopefully the not hopefully absolutely the Wallaroos will send her out with a win. And in basketball, the WNBA is back. You can catch the Los Angeles Sparks v Phoenix Mercury. Welcome back to Brittany Griner on Saturday. Tip off is at one pm AEST, and we'll be live on Foxtel and KO. And as I said before, the Matildas Disney Plus six-part series titled Matildas The World at Our Feet is an absolute must-watch leading into the World Cup. The series gives viewers a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the lives of the Tillies during um, the last season. And, yeah, I enjoyed every minute of it and am very excited to watch these girls succeed at home. How good. And that's the wrap. Four and a half thousand kilometres apart. There's been a delay, but it got done. It got done. I'm impressed. There were some real awkward jokes in there and we made the same jokes at the same time without realising. All right, got to go for a swim, so I'll catch you next week. Bye, friend. Have a horrible time. Have a cocktail for all of us. I absolutely will. Cheers. Bye. Bye.